really fast because we have a great message this morning. I told you that we're going to have a guest speaker via a podcast. Um, I, I listened to it, and it was just, I was almost in tears driving down the road. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is something we all need to hear. Because as I travel, I hear so many people's story in all the different places that I'm out there of depression and different things that are coming upon people and people that you would never think that would have it, people that you would say, okay, I can understand why it's going on. All of these different situations, I've seen people struggling with this and none of us are immune from it. So when Pastor Chris preached this message several weeks ago, actually, and as I ran across it two weeks ago, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we've got to just see the whole thing in its entirety, and we're going to do that in just a minute. So I'm trying to preface that and get us all up on the same page with all that stuff. But I also have a couple of announcements that I just have to tell you right now. We took over this facility from Life Chapel. We kind of merged in with them, and they took over everything they were doing in Rockwall and went full-time down there, and they're restructuring some things down there. We love Pastor Matt and Don, and they've been such a blessing to us. This lease actually ends for this building in next week, or actually on the 1st of November. So we've been in negotiations trying to figure out if we're going to stay here, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, and it is just not working out. They want us to sign for another three to five years. And this facility just isn't right for us for another three to five years. I think everybody can understand why. So um, we can't do anything during the week other than Sunday morning. We can't do any. So we're paying for an entire facility for one hour for one day a week. And it's just, it's just not a good fit going forward. So I've got great news. Next week will be our last service in this building. From there, we're going to be in our living room. And we, when we got this apartment, we purposely planned a place that had a big enough living room that we could do small groups, we could do everything, we could even bring church back in there, and look at us, we're bringing church back in there. It's not a permanent move, it is just until we can find the right facility, and we can bring it to the elders, they can vote on it, and we'll pick the right one, and just believe that God's going to line all that stuff up. So next week we will be here, but the following week we will be in our living room. So next week we will have... Um, maps and everybody will see. We're going to email everybody out, all that stuff, so there will not be any confusion in Jesus' name. But I needed to let you know that so you can start preparing it. We're going to have a website that's set up that the flyer is actually going to point to. I know I'm going really, really fast, so please just bear with me. We just bought discoverbelong.com, and on it, it's going to have, um, of course, our logo and all of our stuff, but it's going to have a, a link to our webpage, the belongdfw.com, and then our online campus. Welcome everybody on the online campus again. It's going to click right to there. There's kind of a short video that Michael's going to help me produce, just telling who we are. There's going to be a map to where we're going. You can click on it. It's going to give you drive, turn-by-turn directions through Google, how to get there. So it should be all easy, obvious, and strategic. So all that's rolling out this week. It's going to be a really, really busy two weeks here. So pray for us. I want to say really quick before we jump into the message, um, thank you for everyone who's prayed for me and my family. Um, I mentioned last week that um, I had a death in my family, and I ended up meeting people that I didn't even know existed, and it was um, quite a service this past Thursday. Um, my wife and I went down to the funeral service and got to meet, um, I've got three brothers and a sister I didn't know about, and just getting to know them and they seem to be as crazy as I am, so I guess it's going to be all right. And so far, they're accepting of me. I'm kind of holding the crazy back a little bit, but um, I'm just joking. But they're great people, and it was a great time. So thank you for your prayers for me and our family and as we're going through that. 
So now as we transition into this video, I, I know you're watching a video, and I know it's, it's not normal, but just plug into it, and I'm telling you, it's one of the best messages I've ever heard on how we need to take care of our mind and our mental health. So if you will turn your attention to the screen. Today, uh, we are going to deal with a fairly serious topic, and, uh, and, and we want to talk a little bit about depression and mental illness Seems like it's showing up everywhere. In fact, one of the things that brought it to the forefront for a lot of churches is a pastor out in California, a very young pastor, 30 years old, who took his own life, felt like it was important to take his own life and left three little boys and, and, a, and, a, and a grieving church and a grieving, of course, a widow. And, and then, of course, every time you know, there's a mass shooting, you hear about mental illness and you hear a lot about, a lot about depression. And I just decided several weeks ago that I would I kind of educate myself on it. I'll start right off the bat and say, I don't consider myself an expert. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a doctor. I'm a pastor. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what I know from those standpoints, but I'm going to bring you God's word. I can lead you to God, and I know God can heal all things. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? But here's what I've learned. I'll tell you a few things that I've learned before we get into God's word. And that depression really is a mood disorder characterized by what they call anhedonia. Anhedonia is the inability to, to feel any pleasure anymore. In, so there are things that used to bring you pleasure simply don't anymore, anything. Uh, extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, and feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. Now, when I read this definition, I realized, well, my goodness, uh, every one of us are somewhere on this list, all right? So all of us deal with uh, issues of depression from time to time. In fact, I believe uh, it is the number one health problem in the world right now. They say one out of nine people are currently on some type of uh, depression medication, and one out of five people have been on some type of depression medication. In fact, right now, depression meds are going up 300% and increasing. And one of the problems in my little bit of research that I've done, I'm just going to share some of my thoughts, and that is I think one of the problems is, is that there's a stigma on this particular type of disorder. So if I told you today, hey, I'm feeling a little sick, and by the way, last Sunday I was sick, and uh, I mean, I was very sick, and uh, I feel, and I, but I sounded good, and I always look good. Can I get a good amen, everybody? <laughs> but, uh, I, but this week I sound sick, and I feel fine. But you know, you never think less of a person when they say they have the flu or a cold, or my, my throat is a little sore, and the voice is good. Oh, he's fine. But when you tell somebody you have mental illness, well, wow, there's something wrong with you, and there's a stigma on it. And listen to me, that has to be removed in Jesus' name. Uh, we, have to, we, have to, we have to understand, we have to understand that there really is not much of a difference between a physical illness and a mental illness. And, and you've got to be careful because, because if you're, it, it's not a sin to be sick. Your illness is not your identity. Can I get a better amen, somebody? And what I want to say right off the bat to everybody who comes to church, because church can be one of those places where, you know, I try to put on my best and look good. And sometimes that can create a false image that, wow, that's a bunch of perfect people that got it all together. No, they really don't. In fact, I want you to know right off the bat, it's okay for you not to be okay. I want you to hear that. It is okay for you not to be okay. And if you don't accept that right off the bat and accept it not only of yourself, but also from God and from us, you can't get any help if you don't realize it's okay. And I want you to hear it straight from your pastor. And if you're kicking the tires and trying to figure out if this should be your home church, I want you to know you have found a place where all of us have a few loose screws and a few hang-ups and messed up. And some of us just got in the hospital a little bit ahead of you. But we're all dealing with something and letting God work in our lives. Can I hear a good amen, everybody, right? 
And so I, I want to create an environment, though, where, where it's somewhat normalized to at least express what's going on inside of us. Because if you don't think it's okay for you to be okay, well, then you'll hide it and you'll tuck it in. And what I'm discovering, that's where all the problems actually come in. So let's ask the question, what's going on? What, what, what is happening? Why we find ourselves in this situation? And the little bit of research that I've done, what I'm discovering, and it's really kind of new news to me, is that it's largely lifestyle related. It is a disease of lifestyle. In fact, one of the guys that I read some of his books and looked at some of his videos, a guy named Stephen Lardy, he says, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. This is all of us. All of us are, you know, have fast food, indoor, sit at our computers way too long, way too much on our schedules. He says, literally, it's not just a problem. It is actually reshaping and reforming a brain, our brains. You add to that my, my thoughts. You don't have to receive this if you don't like it. My thoughts, our cell phone and social media use which I personally believe is kind of out of control right now. In fact, they, they have discovered, researchers have discovered that it is. I mean, just even our little kids being raised on iPads and watching cartoons is shaping their brain formation in a very negative way. Instead of getting your hands out in the dirt, like a lot of us that are 50 years old and older, you know, that's what we did growing up. There wasn't nothing to watch except, you know, just but three channels and none of those were good. Y'all remember that, everybody, right? And so we went out and just, you know, did things with our hands. And they realized that every culture who actually spends time in the sunlight and kind of get a little dirt under their fingernails, they have less mental disorder. We're raising a whole generation on social media. In fact, a lot of the social media creators are coming out right now saying, uh, with this apology tour, so to speak, to say, we are so sorry for what it's done to the human brain. I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about guys who created this stuff saying, we're discovering now this is not as good for people as we thought it would be. You add to that a lack of identity. They actually have discovered that mental illness more than doubles in those who have sexual uh, uh, lack of identity. They're just confused about who they are in life, which is why you hear us preaching over and over and over again every week. Know your purpose. Know your purpose. Come on, discover your purpose. It's important for you to know who you are in God. You've got added to that the inability to process pain. People's way of processing pain right now is just to medicate it, to drink it away, to watch TV away, to binge eat, binge drink, whatever it is. It's the complete wrong way. It actually adds to the cycle every time. You add to that peer-to-peer mentoring. So we're not listening. It's not elder-to-youth mentoring. We're listening to, man, if I'd have listened to all my 15-year-olds growing up that I grew up with, I wouldn't be standing on this stage right now. But we've got a whole generation that just, you're getting all your advice from your peers when God designed for us to have elder to youth mentoring. And I'm encouraging some of you older people to get into the lives of young people. They want it. They cherish it. They desire it to hear and to be mentored and trained. And then finally, just the narcissistic, all about me, selfie generation. We, I mean, it's gotten out of control. So we're, all, we're, just, we're so focused on ourselves, it's just destroy, it's destroying people's minds. And not just in a negative way. I mean, it's like literally reforming the brain. And I want to talk just a couple minutes before we get into God's Word, too, about what some people do with all of this. And that is they choose to or consider ending their lives. One million people a year worldwide. 40,000 people a year in America. 
It's twice the murder rate, and it's the number one killer of kids 15 to 24, the number one. And that's why I apologize to you for not bringing messages like this sooner to you, because this is something that a lot of us are facing. Suicide, of course, is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a very temporary problem. Our emotions come in crashing like a wave, but I got news for you. Just like they crashed in, they'll recede again. Our our emotions never stay. You you, you do not have to live by what you feel in that moment, and you certainly don't have to end your life. You do not have to die to end your pain. Can I get a better amen, everybody? You don't have to do that. You need to know that it's very real. We acknowledge it. We even validate the, the reality of your pain. But your, but your pain is going to recede again. And, and, and a lot of times we're just taking counseling from ourselves in these situations. And I listened a lot to what Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church in, uh, in, in California had to say about it. Because his own son, who had mental illness issues for years, took his own life. And he and his wife, Kay speak very openly on the topic and bring it to the forefront. I encourage you, if you want more information from a very trusted, very respected pastor, I highly recommend. And in his teachings, he even encourages people to know this number, 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. If you know anybody who's considering taking their life, you ought to recommend to them to call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, Lifeline, and those there are trained people there to help talk people out of what really is an, a, 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 the wrong solution to a very real feeling. Now, God's Word. I want to bring to you just God's thoughts on this. I want you to know God's not silent on the subject. Um, God understands. Uh, in fact, a lot of the Bible and even some of the great people of faith were people who went through very distressing, very tormenting, depression-type times. In fact, this might make you feel good. There's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, where Jeremiah just shared his whole, a whole book of the Bible on his depression. And I'll share you just one section of it in Lamentations chapter 3. You don't have a handout this week because I traveled too much this week, and I changed my message about eight times trying to get ready for this, so just take good notes with the little blank notes there. But he says, I have been deprived of peace and I have forgotten. That's an important word, by the way. I've forgotten what prosperity is. And by the way, a lot of you have forgotten what pros- prosperity is. And that's why I think it's important that you come to church and get around the words of God as often as you can. And God will remind you of what his life is available to you. He says, so I say my splendor is gone and all that I have hoped from the Lord. I, my hopes are gone. Watch this. He says, and I remember my affliction and my wandering, my bitterness and gall. And that's his problem, by the way. He was doing what psychologists call ruminating. And ruminating, look it up yourself if you want to study this. This is, this, this is a disorder that we create where we just sit and we think. And we don't allow any outside voices. We have self-talk. And then we start creating some things that just aren't true and ruminating. That's the same word as like a cow chewing its cud. And you just, you, you get it and you swallow it, but then you regurgitate it and bring it up again and you chew. You know what my mama is, what my daddy is, what my boss is, what my life is. And you start lying to yourself and you're ruminating and it really, you're remembering the wrong things. He says, and I will remember them and look what happened. Oh, well, go figure. My soul is downcast. Well, of course it is, Jeremiah. You were going to get there because all you did was just sit there remembering the wrong things. Are y'all hearing me today? 
Here's the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, and I don't want you to be uninformed, that God, God is not embarrassed, and the church should not be embarrassed to talk about this. We don't want you to be uninformed that I had, a, I had a bad hair day. I had bad hair life, honestly, Paul would tell you. He says, I was under great pressure far beyond my ability to endure so that I decided I really felt like I needed to end my life. I despaired even of life. So I'm just here. I'm trying. One of my goals of this message today is to say, hey, it's okay. It's real. We understand. We don't think it's strange that you're going through this. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle-related disease that a lot of us are facing right now. And until we bring it to the forefront and be okay with talking about it, we're not going to find freedom. We're going we're gonna to get alone in our self-talk and ruminate and destroy our lives and possibly make some wrong choices. So I want to finish with a story, uh, just share with you a story, a uh, pretty famous story in the Bible of a guy named Elijah. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah had one of the most major victories ever in the Bible where he was in front of 400 prophets of the devil, Baal, and, and they had, a, they had a, a God face off. And basically, Elijah says, look, you, you worship your God and I'll worship my God and we'll both create some sacrifices and let's just see what God responds. And of course, the prophets of Baal cut up some animals and built an altar and they're like, oh, come on, come on. And nothing happened, nothing happened. And then Elijah said, hey, get my, get my sacrifice and dunk it in water. Make it where it won't even burn naturally. And the fire of God came and consumed that sacrifice. And then he put all those prophets of Baal to the sword. And, and it was a major victory. Right on the heels of that, you get chapter 19. And you get this highest of highs, and he went straight to his lowest of lows, which, by the way, there's a lesson in that right there, that sometimes your lowest of lows don't come in your low times. They come after your highest of highs. I'll go ahead and be very transparent with you that the devil attacks me more on Sunday nights than any other time. We can have tens of thousands, 50,000 people come to church, 500 people get saved, and I'll go back and think about one sentence that I thought, well, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that and let the devil torment my mind. And I've, I've now been very open with Tammy. I said, look, you check on me. And I've told my closest friends, you check on me. Check on me all the time. But call me on Sunday nights. And Tammy will come wandering down. I'll be down there in, in the basement on Sunday night watch, watching the, uh, the replay of a golf tournament or something. She goes, how you doing? I'm like, baby, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. She goes, come on over here. And well, I won't tell you all the rest. Come on, everybody. All right? <laughs> And honestly, we're just very aware. She's aware. I may, I've made her aware. Look, if I'm going to have a lowest of low, it's going to happen right there. And you need to be that honest with yourself too. Come on, say amen right there. You really do. You really do. Chapter 19, on this lowest of low, here's what happened. Because Ahab told Jezebel, the king and queen, told, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done in chapter 18. How he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time you ain't as dead as they are. They are. She was mad. And after he'd already defeated 400 prophets of Baal, now he lets one woman's threat scare him to death. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Isn't that interesting? After the highest of high. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He said, look, I need to be alone right now. And he did not need to be alone right now. And while he was with himself a day's journey, so he is far from anybody who can help him. 
He came to a broom brush. This is a, a, a tree that could provide a little covering, a little shade for him, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. And he says, I have had enough. Come on, have you ever, some of y'all's theme verse right there. I have had enough. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Four quick things that I see in this text. If you're a note taker, jot these down. And that is the very first thing. It's the, it's the root of all mental disorder, in my opinion, and of all depression for sure. And that is just simply faulty thinking. We get in our minds, we have this self-talk going on, we start lying to ourselves, and honestly, we start this ruminating process where we just rehearse the negative, rehearse the negative. I actually experienced this even this, this about this time last year, gone through some things that really kind of disappointed me and hurt me, and I found myself ruminating quite a bit. And I sat there and thought about, well, I wonder if this might happen. And you never know, this might happen. And by the way, none of the things that I worried about happened. None of them. None of And I spent lots of energy and emotions worried about something that never happened. The best decision I made is during that season where I was, I was really, I was depressed. I was worried about what was going to happen with my family, with my kids. I, 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 I called on my pastor. And I even told him this. I said, I will make no decisions that I won't put through you first because I don't trust myself right now because I knew I had some faulty thinking going on. And he, he and others came alongside me and my team here and just put, put the life and the words of God inside of me. And the Lord's turned turn that whole thing completely around to God be the glory. Amen. Come on, give God praise. I know you want to. Yeah. The Bible says that we, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And when you re- reverse your thinking, which you've done, by the way, by coming to church today, I'm, I'm, I'm trying so hard. Uh, I, I, look, I look calm on the outside, but my little legs are underneath the water running as hard as they can right now to serve you and try to tell you, listen to me, the devil's been lying to you. And if you'll listen to the voice of God and the words of God and the wisdom of God and the peace of God, the, the, the God's peace will be. But you can leave here with God's peace. You can. Second thing that he did, we already said it. I just want you to get it in your notes, is that he isolated himself. And some of you guys are isolated. You said, no, I'm not, Pastor. I'm, I'm sitting right next to somebody. You know you, know you can be sitting right next to somebody and still be lonely? Do you know that you can be around people and still have loneliness in your heart? And some of you guys are lon- lonely. And if you're not lonely, like relationally, listen to me, you've gotten alone in your thoughts. So you're the only person you're listening to. And I want to tell you something. You're the last person you should be taking advice from whenever you're not feeling right. Hey, you can't trust yourself. Emotions lie. Emotions lie. They lie to us. And so you can't listen. You can't isolate yourself. And that's why we talk so much about groups. Listen to me. Groups is not a program of our church. I'm not trying to build a small group empire. In fact, I'll prove it to you. Don't even go to one of ours. Just find one. I don't even care if it's one of ours or not. But you need to be around another believer where you're telling them what's going on in your life and sharing openly and getting prayer and watch God bring healing to your life. I mean it. Small groups are not a luxury. They're a necessity. You have to have somebody in your life who knows your secrets. Let me say it this way. I'm going to be strong. I'm just going to because I feel like I'm saving somebody's life right now. And that is if, if, if you're the only one who knows your secrets, you're in trouble. 
You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. Somebody needs to know what you're thinking about. Or the devil will exploit that feeling in a moment. And it's happening to far too many people. And honestly, it's time for us to speak out on it. And it's time for it to end in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, right? Right? We are a church of groups. There are nearly 5,000 groups for you to choose from. And they, we create little hooks, like we call them topics. We go, we go parenting or, or marriage or, or getting out of debt or whatever. And those are all hooks. <laughs> that, they, they look like the purpose and they are so far from the purpose. The purpose of the group is that we hook you by getting you in thinking, thinking you just needed to work out with somebody or you wanted to study this or but really it was so that you would meet the people there and get enough comfort around them where you can take the mask off and say, no one knows but. No one knows but. And by the way, if you're afraid to say that, let me tell you what you're going to discover. They're going to go, really? I thought I was the only one. I, I, oh. And, and, and you're going to realize we all have a, hey, guess what? And whenever we share it, We're going to be healed in Jesus' name. A person standing alone will be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back. See, you have somebody back to back because I can't see what's behind me right now. I can only see what's over here. And somebody is going, hey, PC, hey, look, look, look over here. Oh, my Lord, I didn't know that was over here. We need, we need somebody who's got our back. Somebody, that, that phrase that we use, that colloquialism came from the Bible. Somebody's got to have, somebody's got to have my back. And if I, somebody has my back, I will conquer the devil, conquer my negative emotions. Three, or even, say it out loud, three or even. It's even better if you get in a group. Because you never know, you know, they, they might have they might have a blind spot too. I'll just take one somebody else looking that way. In fact, give me four. Give me somebody who's looking that way. And I have people in my life like that because I'm, I'm not going to kid myself and think I can, I can manage myself, my life alone. So that's why I'm very open with Tammy. I'm very open to our, our overseers. And I've got several guys here on the team here. Just I ask them, watch out for my soul. Look at my schedule. Look at my life. Ask me any question you want. Just we need each other. We are better together, everybody. We, got, we need this, and the triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And that's why we preach it groups, 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 groups. Get in a group, get in a group. It could save your life. Here's the third thing you see about Elijah in this first part of the story, and that he was, he was just led by his feelings. He got there, and he trusted the wrong thing. And I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Your feelings will lie to you. Emotions are like waves. They crash they leave. And by the way, that's good ones and bad ones. If you build your marriage on, oh, I'm just, look at her. Ooh, oh, just love her. Trust me. Come on, married people, help me out. That's leaving, right? <laughs> that didn't stay there. You, can't, you don't build a marriage on roses and chocolate. No, you built it on commitment. Because it's going to be a moment where that emotion's going to leave. Thank God for them when they come. It sure is fun. But we don't build our lives on emotions. We build our lives on fact, on truth. And by the way, that truth comes from God's Word. And the God's Word is not a normal book. The Bible says the Word of the Lord is active. It's sharp. It, it, it penetrates our hearts, and it will judge our thoughts and our attitudes. That's what Hebrews says. 
Jesus said it this way in John 8. You will know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. And so I just try to spend every day just a few minutes in God's Word. I want to encourage you to do it. I hadn't said this to you in a long time. Let me say it to you. We have on the homepage of our website and on the homepage of our app, The One Year Bible. And we have the little devotional written by my pastor, Larry Stockstill, and you have three little Bible readings. There's four things you can read, the devotional, an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a Psalm, and a Proverb. There are five things you can read, and you can pick any, based on how much time you have, maybe you just have time for the Psalm. The Proverb is a sentence. Come on, somebody, you got time for a sentence? If you don't, you really are, you got too much going on in your life. Get God's Word in your life, and the, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe that? Say an amen, everybody. You believe that? Yeah. And the last thing, remember he says, and I am no better than my ancestors. Why do we do that? Why do we play the comparison game? And now we have all this social media out there that you, you're comparing your miserable moments to their highlight reel. Because <laughs> nobody puts on Instagram, yeah, look how messy my kitchen is right now. Nobody does that. They do their kitchen remodels that you cannot afford, but you're going to now try to, right? Am I preaching to anybody out there? Listen to me. Nobody's life is as good as it looks on Instagram. Not even mine, okay? So you follow me, trust me. It is not that pretty. And so we can't get in here like, well, I want what they have. Like, no, 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 no. You only have one person, and this will bring such peace to your life. You only have one person you need to please. And that is God himself. And as soon as you make him, you're, 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 you live for an audience of, of one. Paul said it this way. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I can't, I can't serve God and be a people pleaser at the same time. And then the rest of the story of this, this story, of course, what happens next in the Elijah story, he laid down, I want you to notice these words are beautiful. He laid down under that brush tree and he took a nap. That's a word of God for somebody in this room. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals. I just, I'm, I'm going to add to that and some butter to go along with it. Come on, somebody. All you paleo people, this is the word of the Lord right here. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he ate and drank. Now watch this. And then he went and laid down again. <laughs> That's just my verse for the day, y'all, right there. He just, I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to get up and eat and drink. And then I'm going to go down and I'm going to take another nap. I'm going to put on the golf tournament. I'm going to watch none of it. Come on, somebody. Where y'all at, right? And some of you guys need to understand what, what, what a true Sabbath is. A true Sabbath isn't coming to church and giving God one hour. You need to give God this whole day. And you need to go take a walk with your spouse. Go, go look at your hummingbird feeders. Go, go look at a cloud. Maybe this afternoon if it rains, go look at some rain. Sit down and watch a, watch a golf tournament. I want you to get something to eat. Get you some hot bread. Get you something to eat. I want you to take a nap. I want you to get something to drink and then get in And then after you eat again, go ahead and take another nap. Can I get a better amen to somebody? I'm giving you permission. <laughs> Listen to me, to cease from your labors. Because this frenzy pace is what's, what's messing up our minds right now. And the angel of God showed up. I'm, I'm saying God will show up. And, and you're just resting yourself. And he, and he came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up 
and he ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Go ahead and read it through verse 19 because there God just ministered to him. In fact, the Bible says that God came in the form of an earthquake, a fire, and some wind and showed his power and his greatness. And then he came in a gentle, still, small voice. And the Bible says, and God was found, not in the majesty, just the bigness, but in the moment as well. And then the very last part of that verse, after he experiences God in that kind of way, God starts giving him some marching orders. He said, now I want you to go to anoint this king. And then I want you to go anoint this king. And then I've got a guy named Elisha who's going to be your protege. And I want you to go to anoint him and build a relationship with him. i got something I need you to do. And in the final verses, I see four more things that I believe can be the solution to anybody in this room who feels like your life doesn't matter much. To any person who feels like, you know, I think, Pastor, you don't understand, but I really think even my family would be better if I were not here. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It is not true. It's not true. But then what do I do? Four things that Elijah did. I, I need you to get healthy physically. Go get you some sunlight. Go get you some exercise. Renew those commitments. Tell somebody, hey, will you work out with me? Go get you something to eat. You need, don't, go, don't, don't have a fast food drive through eat it while you're driving with your knee meal. No, don't do that. Go sit down and have a two-hour meal with your family and have some great conversation and talk and just, come on, everybody, take a nap. I am, I am, I am, I'm asking you to cancel what you, what you had planned for this afternoon and go take a nap, somebody. And all the men said a good, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And the ladies, you need to take a nap too. Go rest. Not resting enough. The Bible says in vain, you're getting up early, staying up late, toiling for food. Oh, I think if I worked a little longer, I could make a little bit more money. Yeah, how happy is that making you? For God grants, say it out loud, he grants sleep to those he loves. I really, I mean this seriously. You may think this is goofy. I don't care. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you have the best nap and sleep tonight you've had in a long time. I, I, I pray in Jesus' name that God would grant you sleep. And then he got into that cave And he talked to God. And by the way, if you go read the text, a lot of what he said to God was not true. I'm the only one. Nobody nobody else is doing anything. No. We find out later there were 7,000 others that God had not bowed their knee to Baal. Elijah shared a lot of nonsense to God, and God did not condemn him. But what you need to understand is important for you to pour your heart out to God. Let me say it this way. God can handle your mess. God can handle your complaining. God can even handle your lies, and he'll listen. And you need to come and pour your heart out to God. We're encouraging it here. We don't need your perfection. We don't need, we don't need you to have it all together. You can get to your small group and say, hey, y'all, guess what? Guess what? Pour your heart, pour your heart out. If you keep it all inside, I'm going to tell you, the devil's going to take advantage of you. Jesus said it this way, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and he says that I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your insides, your souls. And some of you guys need that. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus 
then in a moment when we sing a song and we worship and we talk to God, that you'll have a moment where you're able to pour out your soul to God. Third thing you see in this text, y'all getting anything out of this? This is helping a little bit. Is that he experienced both the power and the presence of God. And I tell you, we work hard here to create environments. Our team spends a lot of time to try to create environments where you feel the presence, the the power of God, and then the still small voice presence of God. You need both. The best way for you to do this on your own is that you need to create environments where you experience God. And honestly, I don't know of a better one than this, and that is you have to make time for God, and you have to shut out the world's volume. I I can't tell you anything else. In order to hear God's voice, you're going to have to turn down the world's volume. You have to find a place. And so what I do, you don't have to do it my way, but I have a chair in our basement, got a candle next to it, got my hummingbird feeder right on the outside of it. I like to get up in the morning. My little hummingbirds are over there. Y'all know y'all think, well, I used to respect you, but now you watch hummingbirds? Yes, I do. All right. (laughs) And I try to light my little candle and I read my Bible and I just sit and think about God. I'll play some worship music and just... And it's important that if you want to know that God is God, so I can't feel God. You have to be still, comma, be still, comma, and then you'll know that he's God. As if to say, you'll never know until you be still. And then the last thing I see in this text, if you're trying to pull yourself out of a distressing situation, like all of us are going to at some point, depression is the number one health problem in the world, in my opinion. And that is that we, that, we, that we also let God, let God give me a new purpose and a new direction for my life. I don't know of anything that brings more meaning to life than when God says, hey, I've got an assignment for you. And then when you get your eyes off yourself, you start thinking about that, man, my life exists for someone else's benefit. I'm telling you. We don't have a dream team and a grow track and all of that just for church building. We're doing that for you building. We're saying we know that the number one way to pastor you is to give you something in your life that's bigger than you. And Paul said it this way. Watch watch these words carefully. We do not lose heart. How, Paul? How, Paul? Tell us how. We don't lose heart. Because even though outwardly I am wasting away, Paul says, they've beaten me up on every side. Every place I go, they're hurting my body. Yet inwardly I'm being renewed. How, Paul? How do you get so renewed with all the problems you had? He says, well, these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. In other words, I, this hurts. This is not good. But I have something else in my life that's, that's worth more. And so he says, so what I do is I fix my eyes, not on my problems and what's going on, how much they're beating me up, but I fix my eyes on eternal things, the fact that my life matters and I'm making a difference and they're killing me and they're imprisoning me and they're beating me and they're stoning me and they're, he said, but, but, but I'm helping people. And, he, and since they're, I'm helping people, they don't hurt me as bad. What is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. If you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you, you may have already heard this story, but in, in 1999, when I was an associate pastor at my home church, Bethany in Baton Rouge, um, in 1999, I went through an entire year of depression. And I had to repent to people because I'd always said to people that were depressed, dude, get over it, man. Like, what's the deal? I didn't understand it until I experienced it. And all I know is I had a year where I don't think I ever really considered taking my life 
but I was ready to bail on God, marriage, ministry. I just didn't, I, I, I didn't like it. And I didn't have any reason why. I was in one of the world's greatest churches with, with the world's greatest pastor. I was living in a home that Tammy and I built out in the country, which was my dream. I was farmland everywhere. It was just, it was beautiful. Kids being born, love my kids. Miserable on the inside. Can't explain it. And in 2000, January of 2000, like always, my home church did a 21 day of prayer and fasting. And this was my last ditch effort. I told God, you have 21 days or I'm going to check myself into a treatment center. I have to go get some help. And, uh, and I was going to do it. I, I told Tammy, I, I, think I, I think I have something chemically going on. I'm a, I'm a mess. And on day 17 of that fast, I saw what I'm seeing right now. Like literally, this, these rows, that elevated seating in the back, I saw, and I saw myself standing right here. I saw this picture. God gave me a picture. Didn't know which city, didn't know where, didn't even know what my role was. I just saw myself standing right here, and I saw, I saw what I'm seeing right now. And hope, and life, and energy, and passion. It came in as fast so fast it was shocking I was so excited on day 22 I went to my pastor I said God gave me a vision I don't know what to do with it a little tear came out of his eye and he said he said God's called you to be a pastor a senior pastor and I'd always said I never would have been one I wanted to be the best number two guy in the world that was my goal and I said, what do I do? What do I do? And he says, God's going to give you supernatural love for a city. I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, what he said? He said you'll want to buy your burial plot in it. You'll want to, you'll want to die. You, you want to spend the rest of your life there. He says, and don't leave Baton Rouge until that happens. And in May, Tammy and I took two weeks of vacation, went to eight cities that I thought I could buy my burial plot in. Birmingham was number four on that list. And long story short, we went to all those cities and just came to Birmingham and honestly really now it's all of Alabama I just I can't tell you how much I love it Tammy will tell you this is true I don't even want to go on vacation I, I, I like being here come on you know it's supernatural when you want to be in Birmingham on your vacation come on somebody <laughs> and you have no idea how fulfilled I mean we've had hard times and every time I do, you know what I do is I go back to that day. And every time I want to quit, I go back to that day. And I want you to have that day. I want you to know that God has a purpose for you just as much as he has a purpose for me. That I'm, no, I'm not special. I'm just doing my role. I'm just a Christian. I'm not a reverend. I'm, not a, I'm just, I'm a Christian doing my role. And God has a role for you that will bring just that much purpose and life and meaning for you, I believe, with all my heart. And I want to end a little different today, if you'll permit me. Just stay with me. Please don't leave until we dismiss, because I really believe God wants to do something here. I want every location, I want you to quietly stand on your feet right there where you are, just before the Lord. And sing this song with me. You give life. You give life. You bring life to the
sing it out. You restore. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Great are you. Come on, every voice again. You are life. You give life. You give life. You are love. Declare it. pray in Jesus' name that this will be a, a, a catalyst, a moment, Lord, where we, we got our lives in order and get ourselves healthy again physically. And God, that we have the moments where we can pour our heart out to you and to others, God. And we're going to get into at least somebody who knows what we're feeling and knows what we're thinking. And God, we're going to experience your presence and your power and know that you're real. And I pray that happens even now. And God, I speak purpose and life and direction. To every person here, God, they're not going to live their lives aimless and for temporary things, but for eternal things. In Jesus' mighty name. Heads bowed, eyes closed in every location. Please be still as you can. There are people's lives hanging in the balance right now. If you find yourself far from God, you say, Chris, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't even know if I'm right with God. I'm carrying my guilt. I feel the weight of my life on me. Listen to me. Salvation puts all that on Jesus. Every bit of it. He takes every bit of your pain, your problems, your past. He carries that for you, makes you clean, gives you a place in heaven. You don't have to join this church to join Jesus. All you need to do is pray a prayer like this. Say this prayer right there where you are. Say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. And I surrender my life to you. Say it this way. Be the Lord of my life. Take over. Take my life forgive me and today I repent I was headed this way now I'm headed that way I'm moving my life towards you say this now right there where you are if you're praying with me say I believe you died you were buried and you rose again and you are my God my Savior and my friend in Jesus mighty name amen I'm telling you it's just an amazing I found myself tearing up on the front row. I've heard it so many times. I've listened to this over and over again. And I just want to tell you one of the things that Pastor Chris was saying there. It's just like, God, I give you my life. And the, the desire for ending my life is like, I want to take my life. Follow me. I want to encourage you to take your life and give it to him. And I know there's lots of people who are watching, and I've been talking to people and saying, watch this morning. Join us online. Go listen to the podcast. I encourage everybody to go and repost it and tell everybody, hey, there's people who need to hear this message. And even as Pastor Chris said, 
I apologize that we haven't said more about these things. That's the number one killer. Think about that. We have to be relevant. We have to be real. We have to be there. Now, I see everything of our four things wrapped up in this message. Number one, you got to know God. Number two, you're finding freedom because these things are holding you back. But then you're discovering your purpose because without purpose, you're just going to say, I don't know why should I even go on. And then once you know all that, you're making a difference. So I want to encourage you, make sure you have someone that you can go and talk to. Second of all, be the maker of a difference. Be a difference maker. Let me say it that way. Have somebody that you're involved in their lives. Bow your heads with me. God, Pastor Chris has already led us in the message, in the, in the salvation, Lord, and to come to you. But Lord, I just want to seal it from here locally. That God, that we don't just take these words, but Lord, it impacts us. Lord, let us get rest. Lord, let us think healthy. Lord, let us realize that we need to change our mind, Lord, that we have to, all the steps that are here, Lord, we need to go back and watch it over and over and over again. Maybe even listen to it every day if we're struggling with things. Father, let us make the change to go to you. Don't let our minds get wrapped up in those things where we just want to go in that endless circle that just goes downward and just pulls us in the drain. Lord, let us take our life and give it to you. Father, I give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name.